0: Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit Dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message.: In you know, our church exists to make more and better followers of Christ who love God and love people, here and around the world. Uh, every Bible believe, every church of Jesus Christ basically has the same mission, uh, and, and we, we go about it. In in uh, certain ways, every flavor, every denomination, uh, that is usually driven by one of four sources of authority. What's what's the every church has as its um, big question? What's our starting point? How do we know? what we're going to do and why we're going to do it and how we're going to go about it. I mean, what, where do we find our direction? Where do we find our authority? And there are at least four of those that, that you find in the spiritual realm. Some churches start with uh, human reason. It's, it's our reason, our intellect. Well, what seems reasonable to us? This seems to be like what God would be about and what the Lord Jesus would be about. It seems like this would be the way we would go about it. And... Um, And so that's kind of the starting point, kind of the final say-so. If we have some disagreement with church tradition, if we have some disagreement with the Scriptures, if we have some disagreement with our own personal experience, uh, then we go with what seems right for us. Uh, Some churches start with human experience. And this is the way it goes. Well, I experienced this or we have experienced this with God, therefore this is the way it's supposed to be. And so I, I know tradition may say something different, scriptures may say something different, even our reason may say something different, but the, I, this is what I felt, this is what I experienced, therefore this is, this is the starting point, it's kind of the final authority. Uh, some churches start with tradition, and their you know, traditions become traditions because they were good things at some point, and uh, traditional practices and traditional beliefs... We have 2,000 years' worth of that, uh, and so there that can be some pretty good source of authority. Well, this is what the church has always thought, said, did, done. So this is where we're going to start, and this is where we're going to go. Other churches start with the Scriptures, and uh, they happen to be the ones that are right. I'm just, no, but, but that's what we think. That's where we net out. The Scriptures are, uh, we believe... The inspired, um, authoritative, infallible Word of God—that it's true in all of its matter and authoritative uh, in, in, to every issue that it addresses—and so uh, some churches start with the Scriptures and seek to understand them. That's a little difficult, you know. The Bible's not a lazy man's book. I mean, you got to, you, you got to you got to wrestle with it and. Study it and go about it right. It's not a lazy person's book. And so, while there are some things that are difficult to understand, there are some things that are very obvious. But uh, we have decided that God's word, rightly understood, trumps experience, tradition, and human reason. What if we get this right? This is this is what. Uh, this is the final say so as to what we are to believe and how we are to behave and how we are to conduct the ministry of this church so what you see here at dog when we're part of you know a huge part of protestantism that whole section of christianity uh, that's where we net out now what you see here is uh, the results of 30 years of a congregation doing our very best to properly understand the Lord as He reveals Himself and His ways through Scripture and adjusting and aligning ourselves to live out that mission and do it in that fashion. Now, that means that out of our traditions, we may have some uh, differing beliefs and practices about some of the Christian faith. Our church is going to uh, celebrate two of those areas uh, this Sunday and next Sunday. Uh, We call them the ordinances of uh, the church. The Lord's Supper, the ordinance of the Lord's Supper, which we will celebrate in about 20 minutes here, and the practice of Believer's Baptism, the ordinance of Believer's Baptism. So I want, in our journey of the biography, building the biography of our Lord Jesus over these months, uh, over this year at least, uh, we come to early on in His ministry and His life, what we find in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. It's the baptism of Jesus. Now, just let, let me answer a question up front. don't have time to explain it. The baptism of Jesus is unique stands alone has a unique meaning but it but it ushers in um, the question of so how, how do how and why do we practice baptism here's God's word verse 13 Matthew chapter three then Jesus came from Galilee to John John the Baptist John the baptizer at the Jordan Jordan River to be baptized by him but John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me. Jesus answered, allow it for now because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water, the heavens suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son, I take delight in Him. This is God's Word. Let's pray. Pray with me. And so, Lord, we do come to you now asking that you, as we gather uh, according to Your will and ways and Your command with our church family. Help us to put aside all the things that clamor for our attention uh, other than You and Your Word. Open our eyes that we may see wonderful things from Your Word. Open our minds that we may properly understand the Scriptures. And Lord, grant us grace that we may respond with obedience, Uh, grateful, loving obedience. And it is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Baptism is essential. Baptism is necessary. Baptism is incredibly important. Baptism is not an option for Christians. It is a a very important issue. And what I'm going to describe to you here, because of our different positions of where our authority lies, tradition, human reason, experience, or Scripture... People that I know, people that I love, people that are mentors to me, people that I love and appreciate and go to for advice differ uh, from what I'm about to teach you uh, today. And so don't, don't take this as any any kind of a, a attack. It is not. Again, uh, dear people who are very dear to me don't hold this position. And uh, so, but I want to jump in and say, let's see what the Scripture says about this issue. We need to talk about it today because there are many of you who have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You have placed your trust in Him, your active trust in Him to be your Savior, to cleanse you, and your Lord uh, to guide you and control you, but you've never gone public and acknowledged your faith in Him as He has commanded and I'm. And here's what the Scriptures say, sum it up. You should be baptized if you have placed your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ because your relational health to Him depends upon it. Baptism is a matter of obedience and obedience matters to Jesus. It is one of the, one of the uh, matters of obedience and obedience matters if we are going to walk with Jesus. So some of you are asking, well, Pastor, we're we going to take a whole Sunday and talk about baptism. I mean, what is the big deal about baptism? I think that's a good question. I think that's a legitimate question. And here we go. The meaning and significance of baptism is what makes it important. So let me unpack the meaning as we understand it from the Scriptures uh, today. And let's see. Uh, what it says. First of all, the Bible says that baptism is important. It is significant because it means this is our public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. God Himself ordained in Scripture that believers' baptism, baptism of Christians, those who become followers of Him, would be the formal celebration, the public going uh, profession of faith of... Um, in Jesus Christ. It is Christianity's initiation rite. It is the front door to to the Christian faith. It is the sign of identification with Christ. I am now identifying as belonging to him. It's the press conference of the new Christian where we put on the uniform. It's already happened in the uh, personally some other place, but we we're uh, the announcement is made, the cap is put on our head, the jersey is, of Christ is put on our back. We we proclaim that we have t- placed our trust, turned from our sin, placed our trust in Jesus, and we want everyone uh, to know it. Now, it's far more than that, as we will see in a moment, but includes the idea that once a person admits their sin and repents of it and turns to Jesus Christ for salvation, some public step is to be taken to show the world that this man or this woman, this boy this girl is now a follower of Jesus Christ. It, it's, it's our way of saying, I am not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I don't care who knows that I'm following Jesus. Now, we see this modeled for us and taught for us in the Scriptures. In Acts chapter 19, when the Apostle Paul encountered some disciples of John the Baptizer and told them about Jesus the Messiah, that the Messiah had come, they readily turned to faith in Jesus and it says in verse 5, when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Baptized to signify that they were now followers of Jesus. The apostle Peter uh, is known for several things, but among those of us who do preaching, we're amazed at him because Peter's He's the only person in history, the only preacher in history whose very first sermon was his very best one. Uh, And it's found in Acts chapter 2. And in Acts chapter 2, after he proclaimed on a street corner to, to scores and scores, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people the gospel, they cried out under conviction, what must we do to be saved? And here's what he said in verse 38, repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, because of the forgiveness of your sins. See, I, uh, some of you know that uh, uh, I, my father-in-law was a, uh, a car dealer in our hometown for about 30 years. And um, he used to tell me that, that there were... Uh, he was one of those, Johnny, he's one of those guys that divides people into two groups... You know, I do that too. There are people who divide people into two groups and those who don't. Um, uh, He divided them into, here was his categories, tire kickers and real buyers. And so one day, it's cold day like we had, you know, yesterday, Saturday. and, And so he's got his cup of coffee in the showroom and somebody pulls up on the lot and his partner said, Preston, there's a customer out there. And he said, no, he's not. What do you mean? No, he's not. He's looking looking at cars. No, he's not. He's a tire kicker. His name's so-and-so-and-so-and-so. He comes every other Saturday when he gets a paycheck. He's bored. He takes up all my time. He hadn't bought a car in years. He's a tire kicker. He doesn't mean it. Baptism, believer's baptism, has always um, stood as, as kind of a test right there that separates the tire kickers from the real buyers when it comes to following Jesus. Uh, It stood right there as a kind of as a do you really mean or do you not kind of test. You see, it's one thing to say in the privacy of your own heart, um, I I am a sinner in need of a Savior and I'm going to trust in Jesus. It's an entirely uh, different thing to step out of the shadows into the light into the public, step into a, a a baptismal pool or a river or a stream or an ocean in front of a whole bunch of people and be baptized to declare publicly, I have decided to follow Jesus. I was a sinner. I've repented of my sin. I put my trust in Jesus. I want, I don't, I don't care how many people you can gather. I, I, I want everybody to know that I'm a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm dedicating the rest of my life to follow Him. Now that kind of ups the ante a little, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It tends to take us out into following Jesus instead of remaining back in closet Christianity or, or even worse, what I fear, counterfeit Christianity. It's not really the real thing because once we go public, we're we're on record. In Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, Jesus very clearly tells us that we are are commanded when we follow Him to acknowledge Him publicly. He said, Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge Me before men, I will also acknowledge him before My Father in heaven. But whoever denies Me before men, I will also deny him Before my Father in heaven. In the gospel of Luke, uh, verse 26, Jesus said it a a little, uh, in a few, uh, some different words. He said, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and the holy angels. We are to go public. So the question is, so why should I be baptized? Well, first of all, because it shows you really are, you really have become a Christian. You really have become a follower of Jesus. You really have turned from your sin and placed your life in eternity into the hands of Jesus Christ. And you're not ashamed of Him in any way. That is precisely the function of baptism. It It serves as kind of a form of accountability to people who are asking the question, do you really mean it? Do you really mean it enough to go public about it? Or do you just want to play it safe? Now, see, the scriptures say in Acts chapter 18, verse 13, that many of the Corinthians who heard him believed and were baptized. I mean, they believed personally, they went public with their faith by being baptized. Now, baptism does not make you a believer. Baptism does not save you. Only faith in Christ alone saves you. Baptism is a symbol on the outside of a reality that's already taken place on the inside. It, when, when we lower someone under the water, it's symbolic of a position of, uh, of death. If we leave you there long enough, it really is one. You, 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 you're dying to your old self, repenting of your sin, being raised to walk in brand new life in following Christ. I'm dying to my old self-controlled life and I'm raising to follow Jesus. It doesn't save you. It preaches a sermon without saying a word. It symbolizes what's already happened to you it shows you've really become a follower of Jesus. Second, it's because Jesus commanded all those who claim to be His followers to prove it by first being baptized. I mean, just before His, after His resurrection, 40 days later, just before His ascension into heaven, He gave the command to the disciples and all the other Christian leaders of the day to be in very specific order to continue the challenge Uh, of challenging new believers with believers' baptism all throughout history. No matter the culture they are from, no matter the belief system out of which they come, no matter how threatening it is to some or humbling it is to others, baptism is a universal command of the Lord Jesus Christ. He said it in what we know as the Great Commission. Matthew 18 Verses 19 and 20, here's His words. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, here we go, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. It shows that you have become a Christian. He commanded us to do this universally. And third, it's actually the public demonstration of becoming a member of of a church. Right after Peter told the folks in the streets of Jerusalem what they needed to do to be saved, in Acts chapter 2 verse 41, the Bible says, those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Well, added to whose number? The church at Jerusalem. The Church at Jerusalem. An identifiable local gathering of believers committed to serve Christ together, go through life together serving Christ. It's best to be baptized in the church that's leading you to faith in uh, in Christ. Now, baptism raises questions every time we discuss it, and so I want to answer um, three of the most common questions. And here's the here's the first one. This comes frequently. Is it more important to baptize babies or people who are old enough to make a faith decision on their own? Now, again, bright, godly, Jesus-loving people fall down into two different camps here. Again, people I know, love, like, go to for, for advice. Fall out in a camp different from where... I fall out here. So, But here we go. Um, We believe the Bible teaches this, best we can understand it, that baptism should be administered only to people who uh, fit three categories. They're old enough, they're mature enough, they're responsible enough. Now let's hang on to those. Old enough, mature enough... Responsible enough. Uh, Baptism should be administered to those only who are old enough, first of all, to recognize their own sinfulness. And this is more than just admitting that you might have disobeyed your mama. Every little kid knows when they do that, but they might not understand that they are in open rebellion against God and shaking their fist in the face of God and separated from Him because of it forever. They beca- you have to be old enough to become acutely aware of your own responsibility before God. You know, Marcus, we've talked about earlier, that's why we're so careful with our children uh, when they may say they love Jesus. So that when you come to me and we say, My four year old said they love Jesus. I want them to be baptized. No, 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 no. Not yet. Because any child that's exposed to Jesus is going to love Jesus because Jesus is the most lovable being in the universe. No children are innocent of that. Why wouldn't they love Jesus? The key is when they're old enough to become aware of their own rebellion against Jesus and that they need to be saved. Old enough, mature enough to uh, uh, understand what the death of Christ on the cross really means, of what Jesus accomplished when He died on the cross and rose from the dead. Responsible enough to make a solid decision to trust Christ and to follow Him on their own. Not their grandmother making it for them, not their mama, not their daddy, not anybody else. They're responsible enough to make a a faith decision, solid decision on their own. You should know, we should know, there is not a single clear reference in the Bible uh, to a baby being baptized. It's not there. It's not there. Almost every time baptism is mentioned in the New Testament, it is attached uh, to the command, first to repent, humble yourself, trust in the saving work of Christ, and then... Be baptized now. Obviously, those decisions require a uh, significant level of age and maturity and responsibility. Age and maturity and responsibility. Now, at Dogwood, we practice baby dedications, parent-child dedications, not baptisms, um, uh, and and they're, they're but they're cere- they're ceremonies. They're not they're not they're not baptisms, and it's more a a commitment on the part of the parents and of our congregation to each other and before God to, to do all we can do uh, to uh, raise and, and bless those children as they grow that they may know and love and serve Christ at, at the earliest possible moment. Uh, we also emphasize, however, that even though a person was baptized as an infant, in order to comply with the the teachings and the commands of God as we we see them in the Scriptures, best we understand them, that he or she should be baptized when that person makes the personal choice to become a true follower of Christ on their own. Here it is. Believers are to be baptized. Belief comes before baptism. If baptism comes before personal belief, I don't know what it is, but it's not baptism. Belief comes before baptism. Uh, Second question we get frequently is this one. Does baptism itself have the power to save people? Does baptism save people? Well, the, the answer there is no. See, tragically, some people believe that they are now okay with God. They're okay with the Lord Jesus Christ. They are in the family of God. They will be with Him here and in heaven when they die just because a religious leader sprinkled some water upon them a few weeks after they were born. Now, there is absolutely no biblical basis for that. There's no biblical basis for for that belief. And so if you're banking on being reconciled to God the Father, being okay with God here and hereafter, um, because you were baptized as an infant, uh, you're putting your faith in a religious ceremony. Not in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the only one who does uh, the saving. So here's the third question. Well, so pastor, what if a person refuses to be baptized? I hear you, I hear you, I hear you, but what if I refuse to be baptized? well, I got to tell you this this question always puzzles me. it always puzzles me, and whenever I hear it, I want to say now let me get this let me get this straight let's get clear here. the Lord Jesus Christ gave up heaven, died an unbelievable painful death on the cross, taking the the credit for your sins and my sins, took your sins and eternal condemnation upon Himself and then offers to you the gift of salvation as an act of grace and love. He does all this for you and you accept it. And then when He asks your very first step of obedience to celebrate that by going public with baptism, you say, absolutely not. You're of a mind to say, "Well, I'll take this free gift of salvation, but I'll take will take a pass on baptism." No, I'm not going to do what you say, friend. Something is wrong here. Something's wrong that someone would say. I understand what the cross of Jesus is about. I understand what grace is. I understand what heaven is, what hell is. I understand the gift of eternal life has been given to us and to me out of grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, not as a result of my own works because I can't save myself. I understand that, yet I am not going to stand up and give a public witness to the fact that I have received this gift. I am not going to do it. Something is wrong. Something's wrong there. True believers not only offer their sins to Christ for forgiveness, but they yield their wills to Christ for His control. Now that's the heart of... Of, of a true believer, they say they say upon receiving salvation, Lord, I will follow you. You say what you say the word, and I will do it. Baptism, sure, no problem. I'll stand anywhere in front of any group of people; uh, the more, the better, to proclaim that I once was lost, but now I'm found; was blind, but now I see. I, I have trust in Christ alone. I have been forgiven. I didn't deserve it. It's amazing. I've been given God's gift of eternal life. I am giving my life in eternity to Christ where and when. Now that's the the heart of a true believer right there. So when I hear someone say, well, sure, I'm a a Christian, but I'm not going to stand up in a crowd and give any witness to it. That spells real trouble to me. I worry about you. Because in a way, baptism is the first obedience test in the life of someone who claims to be a believer, a follower, Jesus. When someone claims to be a new believer and shakes their fist in rebellion at the very first obedience test, my counsel for you is to, you better go back and do a heart check and see if you really met Christ in the first place. Because I wonder if you've really had a true salvation experience with Christ at all. Because obeying Christ's command shows that we have received His love. Listen to this. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3 says, We know that we have come to know Him... If we obey His commands, coming to know Him turns us into people who willingly, naturally obey Him, gladly out of gratitude for the great salvation and grace He's given us. And since Jesus commanded us to be baptized, therefore, it is not consistent to say, Jesus, You are my God, You are my Lord, You own me, but I'm not going to do what You say. That's inconsistent. John fourteen twenty one says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, He it is who loves me. If we love Christ, we find ourselves doing what He, eager to do what He says out of love and gratitude to Him. So since you've received forgiveness and the free gift of salvation through Jesus, here's my question. Since then, have you been baptized as a believer? I mean, as someone who knows the score, someone who's repented of their personal sin and turned to Christ. Have you been baptized? I mean, signaling the fact that you're now a follower of Jesus, you're willing to go public about it. I mean, have you said, Lord, I'm willing to walk out of the shadows and, and up on a platform and give a public witness to what you've done for me? I'm not ashamed. I am grateful. I am willing. I desire to stand before people, even though I'm incredibly bashful. Uh, and, and, you know, when people go into a huddle and I watch the football game, I fear they're talking about me. I mean, I'm even you may even be that bashful. But people say, I don't, you know, I, hey, that's not a big, so what? I'm a little nervous about being in front of people. This is what has happened to me greatest thing that could ever happen has happened to me. Now, if you've not done that, my question for you is this, simply. Why? Why? Why Why haven't you? Now, some of you would say, well, it's pastor because I didn't understand it until now. I, I needed someone to teach about it. I realized it's been eight year, over eight years, Jimmy, since I've taught about this. Um, I went back and checked my records. And uh, But now that I know, I'm going to say, great, I'm in. But if you say, but if you say, I understand it, and I'm a Christian, but I am not going to do that, then I would ask you to look in the mirror and ask, why not? Or am I a follower of Jesus or not? Am I a tire kicker or a real buyer? Am I determined to live for the king? Have I passed the first obedience test? Because... In a way, this ordinance of believers' baptism moves like a wedge through people who claim to be Christians. I don't travel very much. Once or twice a year, I'll have a need to fly somewhere. Last time I was uh, uh, traveling on a ministry assignment, uh, I was in Concourse A at the airport, and it was at one of those big transition times. You know, every plane in the world had just emptied, Mark, uh, onto the concourse. It was crowded, and I'm... I'm working my way, you know, down the concourse and rivers of people trying to get through, and it's so crowded. And and all of a I realized, in the just kind of in the back of my mind, I heard something. Beep, 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 beep. beep. Getting tougher, and all of a sudden, people are jumping from one side to the other, and here comes the courtesy cart right down through the middle, of the, and man, it just split that concourse right down the middle. Some people, one sea of people went to the right, one sea of people went to the left. Believer's baptism moves like that cart, and it's going to move right through the cart of this congregation this morning. Here it comes. Beep, 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 beep. And where are you going? Where are you going? You're going to be a tire kicker "Eh." or I'm in, I'm way in. Because I tell you, we need you to be in because this is not a church, it's ho-hum. This train God's put in position, he's put us here because we got something to do. We got business of God to take care of. There are people that need loving. There are people that need to be yanked out of the fire. There are people. We, we, hey, you turned in a list. I gave you the wrong number last week. This, this, you are praying. Our congregation is praying for 3,867 individuals in our community that you said you know need Jesus. What if they show up? I mean, we got to, I mean, we got to get, we got to get with it. I mean, we, we need to know if you're in or not. Jesus needs to know if you're in or not, because this train's rolling. This train's rolling, and you're going to get real uncomfortable if you're just a tire kicker. We might need your seat. <laughs> and so, and so you've you got to decide, what are you? Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. You answer, you're going to obey Jesus or not. Now I want you to take your communication card. Take your communication card out of your bullet. Some of you didn't get one when you came in, so just reach in front of you and get, take one of those offering envelopes. We believe they're a little more holy anyway, you know. Take one of those and use that to write a note to me. Give us your name, give us your email, give us your telephone number, give us your contact information. And I want you to either write on that envelope or check on that card, I want to be baptized. If you've not... I want to be baptized. I am in. I will not stay in the shadows. I will not possibly stay back in closet or even worse, counterfeit Christianity. I'm going to be all in. I'm going to obey the first test of obedience. I'm going to declare my faith publicly. I want to be baptized. And then our team will be in touch with you. Next Sunday morning, we're going to, we're going to celebrate Believer's Baptism with a ton of people in both services ton of people. You can be a part of that. doesn't have to be next week. We'll schedule it whenever it works. But you say right now before God, I want to obey out of gratitude for you. I am in. Now, if you're not yet convinced of this, you take your own time and do your own study of the Scriptures because you know that's what you should do anyway. Came out of a tr- another tradition that held to a different Practice, I understand. Again, that was no attack on those. It's just our starting place is Scripture here. You you come to your own uh, uh, conviction that this is right, but then jump in. Some of you aren't ready to be baptized because you've never prayed to receive Christ. And I want to give you that opportunity. You understand it now, and you're ready to do so. I want to walk you through a prayer. Our singers and musicians are going to come. They're going to lead us in a song to respond to the Lord in just a moment. But I want to lead you through a prayer. Let's pray. Now, these are not magic words. God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than the words of your mouth. But if this is you, make it from the heart. You repeat from your heart to the Lord after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I have gone my own way. I have sinned in thought, word, and deed. I am sorry for my sins. I turn from them in repentance right now. I believe you died for me, bearing my sins in your body on the cross. Thank you for your great love. Now I open the door of my heart and life to you. Come in, Lord Jesus. Come in as my Savior and cleanse me. Come in as my Lord and take control of me. And I commit to serve you as you give me strength all the days of my life. Lord, thank You for hearing these prayers. Thank You that You were the man of sorrows, the Scriptures say. You came and in great sorrow took upon You the sin and shame of humanity and my sin and shame. And You atoned for it on the cross and made a way for us. Thank You for these things. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword Dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.